is that I'm constantly having a good impact on people as much as possible and spreading spreading the, the good word, I guess. Like, uh, you know, there's enough people in this industry that want to talk negatively and want to um, be down about it because there, there are some dark sides to it. But, you know, there's no point in, in going on about that because that's not going to make this place a better world. It's not going to make it a positive place and it's not going to help people progress in their lives, which for me, it's, it's all about progressing daily and whether that's from a physical perspective or a mental perspective just being a good human and constantly progressing uh welcome to melbourne reconnect uh paul methurst here with kai murray Lowe, and we're sitting in beyond Resperan. beyond Resperan in the chill out space uh with a guest who does many things, um, but one of them, I've never spoken to someone who, who does this thing that he does, and that's as a bodybuilder. So welcome, Jared Hustler. Thank you for having me on. Uh, really excited today to be able to talk to you guys and have a chat. I'm quite zen after my first float in probably about, oh, I was just chatting to Kai about that, probably about oh, seven or eight weeks. So haven't been in for a while, I've been super busy, so it's really good to get back in there and chill out, and now I'm nice and zen and ready to have a chat with you guys. Awesome. Fantastic. Look, it's going to be, uh, you know, I'm pretty chilled out as well, and Paul's looking pretty uh, pretty blissed out over there, so it might be a bit of a low-energy uh, low affair today. Um, so Jared's been Jared's been a client of ours for, for a long time now, maybe multiple years, at least 12 months. Yeah, I'd say oh, I must have come in probably about mid last year sure. and yeah, started getting my float on. I was actually just talking to another guy who finished his float here this afternoon and he was asking me how many floats I'd done. I'd have to be well up over 30 floats. So, yeah. Jared's unique for float. us uh, as he's, a, like Paul said, a professional professional bodybuilder, which is... You know, there's a lot of lot of people, myself included, that at one stage have aspired to sort of sort of get there, or at least at least trained in that sort of manner and followed it pretty pretty religiously. But it's, it's very few and far between that actually make a living off it professionally and actually step on stage in some of the biggest stages in the world. Just want to give us a little bit of a rundown on how you got into that to begin with, sort of what what kicked that off for you and Yeah, so I guess I was always really competitive um, as a young kid. I got into rugby and I was playing quite competitive rugby and you know the gym was just a natural part of what I did. And uh, we got to about, I think I was age 21, where injury started to strike with rugby and lo and behold, tendonitis in both knees, a shoulder that started to decide to play up on me. And one of the guys that I knew in the gym who turned out to be my coach for six and a half years, he was a bodybuilder and he said like, he said, well, if you can't play rugby, mate, like if like injuries aren't letting you do it, why not, you know, why not take up bodybuilding? Why not look at doing a show? Like you train so much, you eat like a bodybuilder as a rugby player, like why not do it? And I was like, huh, okay. So planted the seed and away we went and that I did my first show when I was 22 and I'm kind of, I'm 30 now, so I've been doing this for eight years. Uh, I first started off with the IFEB, and I did 
three different shows with the IFBB and then in 2015 I jumped onto a WBFF stage and I went from being your classic uh, or your traditional bodybuilder um, to now what is um, more of a fitness model, more of that aesthetic era. Uh, I'm a muscle model within the WBFF and I competed three times in 2015 then I bulged a disc in my neck at the end of that competitive season, had a bit of time off and then 2016 in October I jumped back on stage and then I won my pro card in December that year. So I've been a pro with the WBFF since December 2016. So I've um, been pretty blessed to have had the opportunities that I've had. I made my pro debut this year in LA. I competed in LA uh, in April and I placed sixth. And then I just recently did the world show where I got a world ranking and I placed in the top 10 and I came away with an eighth uh, place there so pretty happy to to be able to um, be blessed to travel and do what I do and yeah there's a lot more to me than just that but um, we'll we'll chat about that I guess and mm, of course yeah keeping me constantly busy yeah so when you decided to give away rugby for bodybuilding um, is that were your family supporters of your rugby were they kind of invested in your life in terms of wanting to give you direction or did you run your own show? Were they supportive? Did they question you? Um, yeah. Well, I guess um, rugby at that point, it wasn't it wasn't uh, a sole source of income. Uh, it was getting paid. It was, it was more on the lower end of the scale though. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in what you would class as a club that uh, would be like your VFL here in Victoria. So we had the reserve grade to an NRL team, which is the Canberra Raiders. Uh, and I was, um, I was only young. And so I was in the Colts and then I was also in reserve grade, uh, in the off season, I got the opportunity to train with the, with the higher Queensland cup squad. And unfortunately I never, ever cracked that higher level. Like we, we used to get between five and eight top tier NRL players would drop back into our team every weekend. Mm -hmm. So it did make it hard. I guess there was a little bit of frustration there on my, my end. So when injuries struck and I wasn't playing as well as I wanted to, and I wasn't getting where I wanted to be, uh, it was, it was probably just a, a progression thing where I thought, okay, I've, I've done enough here. Like I did want to make it as an NRL player. That was my, my big goal. I must say my wife probably really loved the fact that I gave it away because it was so time consuming. Um, that's the one thing is like, you don't realize like, yeah, what I do now and training and that is time consuming. But I mean, when you're training and like, you, you'd know yourself, mate, when you're training, mm. you know, five days a week and that's two or three hour training sessions, then the weekend is a game and the whole weekend pretty much the game day pretty much takes the whole day. So, I mean, from that perspective, it was really good and, and um, you know, that was my girlfriend at the time and now wife, but uh, I've been with her for nearly 12 years now. So cool. she's been on the right. roller coaster ride that, it, that it's been. But yeah, my, my family was very supportive. My, my old man, I guess he probably would have loved to have seen me be a professional sports player. But um, I mean, you know, it is what it is. You can only push your body as far as you can take it. And, you know, I, I feel that I achieved everything that I could in that avenue and then it was time to move on and do something else and my my goals and my wants changed and so so did the direction of my life so yeah it was good awesome I'm just going to make a little adjustment to the kick. 
keeps dropping. Oh, Paul with the technical assistance. That way, there we go. It's all good. Easy. Well, now you, you know, you live and breathe fitness and bodybuilding year round. Is it something that you still, I mean, you've been doing it for, what do you say, eight years professionally yeah. now? Is so, it something you still love, still gets you out of bed every morning, you still kicking ass or? Yeah, most definitely. Well, seeing as my job as as a trainer and a coach, mm-hmm. you know, I have to get up for it. But um, from a personal uh, perspective, yeah, most definitely. Like, I, I really love what I do. I love the, uh, I guess, the motivation that it gives you, the drive that it gives you, the the ability to see what you can actually do to your body, how far you can push it, the changes that you can get within your physique. Uh, it's really cool. So on a, on a daily basis, you know, you, I guess everyone's going to have great days and everyone's going to have bad days. It's just a general fact of life. Like we're not robots. It'd be great if we were to make what we do a lot easier. But, um, you know, being a human – uh, yeah, you have your good days and your bad days, but understanding that, you know, they will come and you just got to get up and get going and keep doing what you're doing because as long as I'm making a positive impact on the people's lives that I get to um, work with or the people that I, you know, on my social media get to have an influence on, that that's really the main thing for me is that I'm constantly having a good impact on people as much as possible and spreading spreading the, the good word, I guess. Like, uh, you know, there's enough people in this industry that want to talk negatively and want to um, be down about it because there, there are some dark sides to it. But, you know, there's no point in, in going on about that because that's not going to make this place a better world it's not going to make it a positive place and it's not going to help people progress in their lives which for me it's it's all about progressing daily and whether that's from a physical perspective or a mental perspective just being a good human and constantly progressing that's it Mm. it's a good uh it's a good mindset to have as a as a coach and i think we might have brushed over it a little bit but you do your main source of income is is coaching people in in bodybuilding and sort of fitness modeling and things like that and that's i guess being in the position you are in that industry allows you to get those clients allows you to sort of make that a make that a full-time business make that your full lifestyle stepping on stage and winning competitions and that sort of translates into people asking for your assistance and yeah, well, people see what I've done with my body, I guess, and, and people want to, like, guys want to achieve that or uh, the way that I coach people. I, I I have a health is my first and foremost priority is what I preach. Um, I, do, I do coach a lot of people to a stage, but then I also do a lot of general population, um, just people wanting to be the most dynamic, best version of themselves, being healthy, understanding themselves as a coach. I don't leave anything in the dark. There's no hidden secret. There's no formula that I use. Uh, I like to make sure that my clients understand what we do and why we do it. Because for me, if I want uh, complete compliance to a program, then you need to give them 100% explanation as to why we're doing it. Because as humans, we're very inquisitive and we want to know why. If we don't know the why, then why would I do it? If you're telling me to do something, and yeah, it might work for a period of time because I'll do it because my coach told me to do it or I to- I'm doing it because like the, the big guy told me that's how I'm going to get muscles, whatever it might be, they'll do it. But then when the 
the questions start to come up from whether it's friends and family or whatever, or they start to question themselves, this is where we go off track. But if I explain everything in great detail and that's even like explaining the scientific side of how the body works and understanding it then when the harder times come because hey listen it'd be great to see drops on a scale every week or drops on a measuring tape or if we're doing skin folds whatever it might be making those uh, physical changes every week would be great but it just doesn't happen like that so it's it's only normal to think that people will question the process when they get there and if we don't explain everything if i don't uh be caring and you know make sure that my clients are in a good headspace constantly then that's where people are going to go off track and that's where you're going to lose people because people don't want to want to do things when they don't know why they're doing it yeah awesome and you know it's always not and this applies to anything where coaching is involved being good at something doesn't necessarily make you a good coach, no. you know, and I'm sure that applies to that. You, you see it in the in the fitness industry a lot. You got to have that. You got to have an open mindset like that and a positive mindset like that. It's it is an industry that's not that has you know, like you mentioned, it's got a bit of a dark undercurrent yes. running through it at the moment. And the more you dive into the industry, the more obvious that darkness sort of becomes once you sort of wade around there for a little bit. So you know, it's I guess good to see someone on the positive side of things, not the you know, being being genuine with it, not yeah. not looking, not trying to show a, a quick way through it or a quick way out, or you know, well, crazy it, spin diets. Or. It's, it's in like any, like even like in AFL, like a, a great player won't make a great coach. Mm-hmm. Like a great athlete isn't going to necessarily make you a great coach. And I'm by far a great coach. Like I've I've got many years of. Um, learning in front of me and I, I learn daily from my clients like I had client check-ins this morning and you know we we do our measurements and like okay that's different and then you talk to them and you understand how their week was and where their stress levels are at and how their sleep's been and then you start to get a bit more of a different picture is like just understanding that like it you know I'm I'm just one of many in this industry and as long as I'm having a positive impact, I love what I do and that's all I can do and and focusing on me and my crew and the people that I have an influence on and like giving them, I guess, the motivation and the drive to, to go out and do like what I do as well and like then they have an impact on their friends and family and, and the people that they come into contact with that they're a positive um, vibe we forget about the negativity in this industry just like there's no point in focusing on it and i think some people just get far too caught up on on the bullshit Mm. and and the nasty side of it and there's no point Mm. when you say helping people do you see obviously there's going to be superficial changes in the way that they look do you see changes in the way that they are yeah, yeah like most there's, definitely. there's people you see you know you're involved in people's bodies all the time but do you see a real link to their psyche and, and the way they are day to day can you talk us through you know some of maybe some examples of clients where where that's been apparent most definitely mate so like it talking about changing a body and changing the physical appearance is one thing but the mental side of this game is just as much if not more important than like what you're putting in your mouth and the weights that you're doing at the gym or the cardio that you're doing like understanding that like people are defeated when they come in to see me some people will come in and, and they've tried they've really tried for you know years and they've not achieved the result it's hard like i get 
I had one particular client, like she'd tried everything. Um, I mean, she had um, post-traumatic stress as well. Her sleep was like out the window. And like when, when the hormone profile is so out of whack, like you're constantly stressed, your cortisol levels are raised, it, it does things to the hormone profile because cortisol's up. You can't have a good balance between the other hormones. And it's more so with women too. And, and it's a nasty thing because, and I feel for a lot of women out there, I do work with a lot more women than guys. I don't know why. Um, someone asked me I do. day. <laughs> um, like I do work with a lot more women, but uh, understanding that like it's pretty, it's a nasty thing. The, the, the hormone profile within a w woman can uh, change so easily and it can be thrown out of whack so easily. And, you know, we get maybe two good weeks and then two bad weeks with their cycle and, and it's nasty. But I had this one girl came in, she'd been trying everything and, and she, we worked together for 10 weeks and the results we achieved were just phenomenal. And I think at the end of it, like we dropped like 30 centimetres off her hips and 20 centimetres off her mm. waist and this and that. And like we did all the comparison photos, but it was more her mental change. Like she, she didn't feel like she didn't go into the gym anymore and, you know, have to sit on a treadmill for half an hour before she could work up the courage to go and do her weight. She was, she was a confident woman. And I'm talking about a young woman who maybe mid twenties, hmm. you know, you shouldn't be at that point. Like, and you know, it's, it's going to happen and it's not an uncommon thing. It's just a lot of these people lock themselves away and they don't want to do anything about it or they've tried to do something about it and it hasn't worked. And, and the fear of failing again is a real thing for them. Like, to try and to fail is hard. And are they going to put themselves out there again just to fail? Nah. And so they're more willing to shut off and lock themselves away than to try and do something. So for me, um, you know, the mental side is a really big thing and understanding how people are feeling. Like any of my clients would say, like the first thing that I ask when people come in is like, how's your week? You know, how are you feeling? Like, you know, it's all good to say we dropped five kilos on a scale or you dropped a few centimetres or you hit some PBs. All good. But how are you feeling? Like, how are you actually doing? Mm. Because that's the main thing for me. Because if I'm not, like I said, if I'm not having a positive impact on their lives, if I'm not able to change the way that they um, view themselves and the way that they view the world, then what are we doing it for? What, so we have a six-pack and we look good? Because mm. like, that's just superficial. That That's going to fade. And I tell you what, post shot, it's going to fade real quick. <laughs> <laughs> It'll only take a couple six packs of Krispy Kremes before that disappears. But if I can have more of an impact on their mental side and, and that, that's, that's when I know that I'm actually achieving what I'm setting out to do. Awesome. I think that's very, uh, you know, missed. I don't know if it's coming back in the fitness industry, but for the mm. longest time around, you know, there was this gigantic boom, especially in Australia, around sort of bodybuilding and getting in shape and fitness and young guys taking gear and, you know, protein shakes. When was that? It was 2007-ish that that all sort of blew up? The industry oh, yeah. exploded? The era of aesthetics. Yeah, that's sort of the that was like era. The, yeah, I'd say between like 05 and 2010, somewhere in that five-year. Happiness seemed to take us a backseat for yeah. a lot of these guys. And you'd see, you'd see perfectly healthy, normal guys burning themselves out in the gym and to the point of almost giving themselves depression and focusing entirely on diet and training, yeah. living and breathing with no actual bodybuilding aspirations, just music festivals and, mm. and going out. And it, it seems to have almost reversed a little bit now. Everyone seems to be a bit more moderate in their approach. And I, think, I think health 
is starting to take a forefront in the health and fitness industry. It's sort of funny that <laughs> we nice say change. that, but um, it really is. And when we say health, it's more than just physical. It's that mental side. And it's really starting to come through, I think, because people are more open to talk about it now as well. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah, it's still, it's still always a struggle to get guys to open up. Guys, you know, we, we never want to tell our true feelings, but, but it is starting to come more and more to the forefront which is great and i think that um the ability to have an influence on that i'm just loving like where where i can see that the the health and fitness industry is starting to go like we said before there is that negative and dark side still but i think you're going to have good good uh, and bad with everything but as long as i'm having more of an impact on on the good and with this industry taking a turn that way you know i can't see it going backwards so, in terms of a day-to-day, what does a normal day look like for you if you kind of, you know, I suppose they're different depending on where you are in your training, but what is a kind of a, a standard day? I can guess that there'd be a fair bit of structure and discipline and mental kind of strength. Each day, you know, mental muscles needed to be flexed with what you eat and what time you get up and what times you train. So, can you give us a run-through of a day in your life? Yeah, well, uh, I don't know how I'd say what a normal day is because every day is so different. But mm-hmm. like, for instance, today, um, I've got a family. I've got two young kids as well. Cool. And one of them decided last night he would uh, stay up for four hours. So mum was utterly exhausted. And so I got up and I did the, the kids' breakfast, made lunches for – or made lunch for my elder son and uh, made breakfast for both the boys and then uh, took the oldest one to school and – then I went to the shops, I came home, I did some meal prep and then I had a couple clients this morning and then I came here, I did a float, um, doing the podcast now with you guys yep. and then I'll go to the gym, a few more check-ins, train myself, then I've got another client and then home for dinner and probably do some work tonight with my wife. I mean, um, in-season is very different, it's, very, it's a lot more structured in terms of like I'll get up every morning, I'll do my fasted cardio, um, I'll do um, my client check-ins or my training sessions, what I've got to do, get myself trained. Um, I try and structure my entire week on a Sunday. Okay. I sit down with my wife and two to three hours, we plan out the entire week, what's her week, what's my week, make sure that we've still got enough family time because to me it's really important to have good balance because I tell you what, if I just um, let the whole fitness side and dieting and training run my life, it, I, I could I could be in the gym for, for hours and I you know, wouldn't, wouldn't have a family anymore though, but uh, it's really important. I, I try and have like my day off and structure that with my family still. But yeah, if, if I put a plan in place, I'm much better at um, allocating all my time. But if I don't, yeah, it's, it's no good. Like, I mean, Wednesday is probably one of my biggest days and that I'll be in the gym yeah, for about 12 hours. I'll be in there doing client check-ins and sessions and then I'll try and sneak my own training in there at some point, but that's that's my big full-on day. Mm. But then I've also got because I've got a bit of a bad shoulder at the moment, so I've still got uh, trying to get treatment on that. So wiggle that into the week at some point. But yeah, I'm I'm never quiet. That's for sure. Mm. I've always got something to do. Yeah. Mm. Sorry. No, no, no. You go. There you go. When is in season? Like uh, I, I've known nothing about it. I'm curious to know what. 
when is in season as a bodybuilder and where do you go to compete? Does your family go with you? Um, yeah. I'm keen yeah, to so for me, I as a pro, I do mostly overseas shows now. I mean, we've just had our first Australian pro show with the WBFF that was uh, – or two, two and a half weeks ago on the Gold Coast. But for me, I'll be competing next year in LA in April and then I'll do the world show again, which is in August. They haven't officially announced the location for that. But in season is more like when we're like very focused on on diet and dialing into a show and the off season essentially is when I'm trying to grow. So I'm currently in my off season phase mm-hmm. at the moment. I'm trying to grow a little bit. After you do a show, you can see assess like where your lagging body parts are or where I need to bring up to to form a better looking physique. And so we've got a plan in place currently to to work towards that. And my the biggest thing about off season for me is I struggle to eat all the food that I need to, okay. to try and grow. Um, what does that look like? What what's a, what's a, a full off season diet day look like? Uh, I think people are going to be a bit upset by what this sounds like <laughs> so yeah and fortunately it's not like junk food there like, i still try and keep it really clean at the end of the day guys like I'll probably say this too many times in this podcast but i'm about health so trying to make sure that i'm getting as much nutrition from whole foods as possible like limiting like you know your sort of supplemental shake sort of things and stuff like i'll utilize those post workout but um i'm currently on on high days and low days so i have a high day on my lagging body part days and that's uh 4600 calories um and then on low days i'm on about 4100 calories so um yeah it's just that's broken down over six different meals that's mm-hmm. mostly um i have one one meal on my high days that's red meat on my low days, I have two red meat meals. I have different forms of fats, whether that's nuts or avocados or different oils, um, different variety of veg. Like I usually uh, have mostly green veg. And then like I've got different carb sources, which might be like um, jasmine or basmati rice and then sweet potato or white potato and just mix that up. And then most of my other meals will be made up with like white meats, whether that's chicken, turkey or fish. And yeah, I just make it up as a, a sort of like what, what food I went and got at the shops and what was on sale because mm. <laughs> it's uh, never cheap to be buying that amount of meat. But uh, yeah, I, I like to trial different things in my off season phase as well. So I guess that's more like when you say it's off season, you can, you can tinker with things so I can, how you know, try and see like, how does this diet approach work or how does this work with me? And it's not something that you would really want to be doing within like, you know, 10 weeks from a show because you want to be so structured and regimented there because you're trying to bring your physique in for a show. So, you know, in an off-season phase, we can play around a little bit. Plus, I can sort of have a little bit more downtime. Um, like, I'm not I'm not a robot, so I don't always constantly eat according to my plan. I do have some some meals off plan, and I can, you know, go to like a, a barbecue and enjoy a bit of downtime with the family or go out and see a movie and, you know, have a little bit of popcorn or something like that and, you know, just enjoy life a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, because that was another one of my questions. Like, what you're doing would obviously impact your family, um, just in terms of probably in season with times that you need to get up. And you mentioned a little bit about what you do with your wife to plan that, um, which I guess would be kind of essential. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I'm curious the overall impact of your family. I suppose it'd be some massive positives. You'd probably eat great food and, and be setting up some great examples for them. Um, but yeah, give us a run through of the kind of the, the highs and lows of what your occupation, how it affects your family. So I guess like this year hasn't been great in terms of like being able to take my family away with me being like the first year um, as a pro doing it. But next year we've got some good plans in place to be able to take the family on on like holidays and put the shows in there as well. So I'm really looking forward to that because um, they are a really big thing, big uh, influence on on me and um, they, I tell you what, they'll keep you level-headed. So um, the kids they don't care like whether you're 20 weeks from a show or two days from a show, like they got no idea. Like they, they know dad's like getting leaner. Dad's getting a little bit more cranky, but you know, they, they don't really care. But at the end of the day, like they're just kids and they're just loving life. And I, I love the fact that I've got them and I can use them in my daily uh, workouts and stuff like that. So I'll take them down to the park in season and I'll call it cardio. So take them down to the park, run around, kick the footy around with them awesome. or, you know, just take the little one out first thing in the morning. If he's been a terror and he's woken up at five o'clock in the morning and take him out and just push him in the pram and call it cardio as well. Like um, you don't have to be on a treadmill or a cross trainer or a stair master to say it's cardio. So why not incorporate them in some way and give mum a bit of a break? I mean, uh, my wife has been with me since I started doing this, so she's been along for the entire ride and she's seen the good times and um thank goodness she's stuck through in the bad times but like she's she's one of my biggest supporters and probably my biggest critic as well like she will like tell me where i'm at if i'm not there and i need to pull my finger out and um get my shit in order um so it's good like she's she's a very real real and honest person um she's great at helping with my posing as well so that's always nice i mean the first time i ever went to vegas for the worlds as an amateur in 2015 i'll tell you what she drilled me for about three hours on posing in the hotel room i was just hating on her at the end of it but she's good at at, at that and you know she supports me in every way possible and she's a great cook so i can't i can't hate on that and she can she can make a chicken breast taste like chocolate cake, so it's pretty good. That's <laughs> <laughs> gold in that industry. How do you find people's reaction to you? Because it's pretty, you know, it, when you walk into a room with you, you're, you're gigantic. It's There's an obvious presence there. And I'm probably a little bit desensitized to it, and Paul's probably a bit desensitized to it being around athletes most of his life. But when you're out in general public or you're at the airport and things, like, especially when you're in shape, do you notice people reacting? And does it bother you? Do you... Do you enjoy it? Do you get something out of it or you're just sick of it? Uh, I guess I guess it's just human inquisitiveness. Like um, people are going to see you and they're going to see that clearly you're not a normal human, like you're not the normal size. Um, I, I try to not draw attention to myself. Like I, I'm not a massive fan of like uh, um, attention, like, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen, happen, happen. I took my kids to the beach a few days and I was at Brighton Beach and there was a few tourists and there was a lot of pointing and going on and that's that's all right. Like people are just, that's just what they're going to do. And I don't get cranky about it. Like there's no point. Like again, like really you're going to get upset because like you chose to get big and then people are going to be like, you're, you're big. Well, yes, I know. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it's funny though, like 
uh, I think I think the funniest looks that I got was at the pool party in Vegas uh, the day after the the show this year, and I'll be honest, I looked stupid. Like, and the, it's funny though, you get mostly guys look at you. So, you know, anyone who's thinking of getting into this industry, because like, <laughs> as a guy, you think like it's going to get you heaps of attention from girls. You're you're completely misguided. It's it's mostly guys going like. Oh, look at those arms, or I want shoulders like that. Or <laughs> Ask me how much. How, do, how do I get a chest like that? You know, um, but but it is funny that, um, yeah, people people look at you and they're just like, what the hell? Like especially at that point when I was when I was bone dry and completely shredded, walking around a pool party. I was just like, yeah, that that made me feel pretty good. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah I've never done this to draw attention to myself. And again, as like as long as like I'm. I'm being positive in my manner and being a good human. Like I would hate for to, for someone to look at me and um, think that I'm a nasty individual. Or do you ever I'm get over. any of that? Have you ever had any people sort of take? Mm. It seems again this goes for a little bit there when it first started. There was a bit of a yeah weird like sort of for, for whatever reason bodybuilding sort of like tough guys got intertwined together. Like it was like they meshed yeah. somehow. And in reality, it's usually not the case most yeah. super nice that's that's funny because that is true most big guys that like even guys that are much much bigger than me that i've met um are just super nice and very humble and you're yeah, more than happy to have a chat with you and offer you some advice or something but i do remember one really distinct point and this is well, going back to 2013 i don't even think i was that big at this point but um i was getting petrol at a petrol station and um yeah, the the attendant thanked me for coming in and paying for my petrol. He thought, like, <laughs> he thought as a big guy, I was just going to drive off, and I was like, "Say what? Like, okay, like that was that's strange, but yeah, thank you for being an, like a normal person and paying yeah. for your petrol." Yeah, but like, no, I've never really had anyone be negative. I mean, I I, I feel sorry for people who who are, and it's like I've heard of many different instances where, and I, and I think it's more out of a out of a position of fear or or jealousy where you get like some people are rude and mean to to people who have a better physique and they like to call you know names or say whatever they feel like they need to say to make themselves feel better and like i mean at the end of the day i i think that's just like their own issue mm -hmm. like and that's their problem that they've got to sort out there's something going on for them and yeah, I'm not going to play into that at, at all. So yeah. it's not going to it's not going to have a positive impact on me. It's not going to bring anything into my world that's going to help me. So mm. no, no one doing well in their field, whether it be bodybuilding or anything else, walking around saying those sort of things to people, like those sort of hater type comments, usually yeah. do. That's where they're coming from a place a place of insecurity or jealousy. Yeah. Or, and anyone that's gotten to that point again in any industry knows what it takes to get there so you get that you see these gigantic monstrous guys at these shows they're all super nice dudes because they know how to, they've been through the ringer with it yeah. you know they've been through the fire for it they've sort of earned that place and doing anything with that sort of intensity tends to humble someone after a certain amount of years you know it's very hard to stay douchey when you're constantly being pushed through that ringer and forced to do that dieting or forced to do those workouts and be around those people so yeah i mean like like you said you you know what it takes to get there and you've put yourself through it and and if anything like i just want to have like that positive impact and and show people that 
A, it's not as hard as you think it has to be. Like it doesn't need to be like a grind constantly. You don't need to constantly be hurting um, in in preps and stuff like that. And and B, like yeah, not not a negative, not a nasty human by any means. And like especially because being being a pro within uh, a federation or brand, you don't want to bring a bad light to them in any way, shape or form. So for me, there's there's nothing to be uh, brought from from being like that. So there's no positives that you can actually take away from that. So just completely steer away. In a competition, is the guy that wins the guy who has – the largest, most defined muscles. I've got no idea about it, but can you give us an insight into what, what, I mean, other than having massive muscles, what wins you the comp? So it really depends on, uh, the federation that you're with, you're, you're competing within. So for me, within the WBFF, we are very open and honest about, um, how we judge and there is a, a split criteria. So we judge on the physique, and I think there is 60% of the mark goes to physique. Mm -hmm. Then there is 40% on stage presence and marketability, they call it. So mm -hmm. stage presence and marketability, because I'm not your straight-up traditional bodybuilder anymore. If it was traditional bodybuilding, uh, I'll just tell you how that works. So pretty much traditional bodybuilding, they split the guy down the middle or the girl and they look at symmetry. So that is muscular symmetry and that's from side to side wow. and you know, what, what looks, you know, how, how balanced they are. And then they will look at, you know, upper to lower balance and, and then they will then look at conditioning and, and then size of the body. So uh, then you have different weight classes and categories. For me, we, I've got just one open category as a muscle model and that is based on, like I said, the physique and then stage presence and marketability. Now, stage presence is um, because it's more, you, you could say that it's a bit more like a, a beauty pageant and a fitness show rolled up into one. It's a big production. Mm -hmm. So, you know, girls come on and they've got their whole Victoria's Secret sort of um, beauty and glamour. Mm -hmm. And then there is that that glamour and that beauty side for the males as well, but we have the muscle as well. So we get judged on how well we present our bodies, how captivating we are on stage. Um, so that's that stage presence aspect and marketability. So like you and how you perform and what you're able to do up there and how well you present yourself is that marketing the brand well? Is there something that they could do with that? Like when you get photos taken, um, how well could you market the brand? And so that all comes into it for, mm. for marketing, which some people, you know, they don't like it and, and that's all good. Like, but that's it at the end of the day. Like, and we're open and honest about it and you get told that it's a lot more than just a physique show. So I've seen guys and girls step on stage before with the best physique on that stage and not win. You know, it's, it's, it's a bit of a hard pill to swallow when, you know, people have probably done different physique shows before and then they're like, well, I was the best up there. And it's like, yeah, you were the best physique-wise, but you weren't the best in terms of like your presence and your marketability. So in terms of presence and marketability, would that be, is there room for smiling? Yes. You know, yeah. yeah so, is, that's so cool. That's yeah. so, you know, because I don't know, I'm enjoying hearing more about what presence and marketability, marketability, yeah, to go on. Oh, like, so I, I guess, like, it, 
we're fitness models and muscle models. So there is that model aspect and that's whether you're going to be smiling or smizing or there's a blue steel or, Mm -hmm. you know, and it really does come down to the slightest bit of angles, really. Like, Mm. you know, where you angle your, you know, where you're looking, like where, so like the silhouette, the shape of your body, Mm -hmm. what it's making. And yeah, it it is like the slightest little bit of uh, changes. Like for me, I'm a bigger guy and I've got a bigger waist. I've got a wide waist. So for me, I actually angle my hips on stage. So as that my my shoulder to waist ratio looks a lot smaller than it actually is. And that's just a game of angles. So when it comes to posing, it's something that is like, not a lot of people put uh, a priority on their posing. Whereas if they did, they probably do a lot better. So, you know, and it's all good and well to, you know, take a photo and put a hundred different filters on it and put it on Instagram and you look great or you look great in the gym mirror. But when you step on stage under the bright lights, it's a very different thing. Mm-hmm. So understanding like how your body looks and the angles that your body is actually throwing, that they, they can completely change your placing. Yeah, it's so, a lot more. There's a lot of intricacies, to, even to the, the, the music you use to a degree. And guys have different set, you know, posing routines that they practice for months and months beforehand. Yeah. And you know, certain guys are known for different unique characteristics while they're up there and well cuz we don't cuz we don't have a set criteria around posing whereas like your traditional bodybuilder federations will have you know your set mandatory poses or your quarter turns where you get judged so they have some very set structured poses we don't have those within our federation so you're actually free to really? pose as you want awesome what's your thing what's your thing that you know you know your thing like is it a blue steel is it a, is it a cute kind of smile smile what's what's the thing you know is your thing or is there several Kai gotta wait man it's <laughs> an important question <laughs> damn it oh it's so fascinating it's very different it's yeah cool. I like um, just hearing that it's more that there's more individual expression and that you're not kind of like a cattle, just cattled in there doing a a, a sort of a a really, because yeah, so I asked what's, you know, what's your thing? What's the thing that you kind of hang your hat on or that you know is going to give you the best chance of winning essentially other than just the, your muscle size, yeah. you must have something that you know that your wife probably helps you with where she's just like, you got to do that thing. What's that thing? Uh, Something you're known for. When you're on stage, do you, have a, do you have something that sort of sticks with you show by show? I don't know if it's something that sticks with me, but yeah, I've, I've probably hit a few blue steels in my in my time, and maybe maybe worked it a little bit too much at times. But um, I'm really well known for like my legs, um, probably one of my best body parts. Which um, I can I can thank rugby for that. Yeah. That was. That was just years of overdeveloping my legs compared to my upper body, which I'm still trying to get my upper body to catch up. But um, yeah, if it was more of a physique thing, it'd be my legs. Um, and yeah, posing. Uh, yeah, more. I've, I've hit a. I've hit. I've hit a few blue steels and smizers in my day. But yeah, I. I just try and have as much fun up there as I can and have fun with the other guys. So yeah, it's just like. Yeah, not really that whole, you know, eyeing each other off and, you know, wanting to 
wanting to beat them. It's more just like at the end of the day, just have a good time. Yeah. Because it sounds like the type of thing that could end up winning you the show is like it's just intangible. It's like just your, like you say, your presence, a charismatic or just the way you carry yourself. And a lot of that is internal. Like you obviously, you know, you you kind of you're at peace with yourself. You you like yourself. You love yourself. And I think there'd be others in your game that might have huge muscles, but there's a lot of inner kind of turmoil going on, or they're just angry people, and that probably mm. affects the crowd and affects the mood. Do you kind of see that? You know, you can just tell. Yeah, I mean, you can you can see the presence that someone brings to a stage, and if it's a positive vibe that they're bringing, or if it's a negative vibe, or if it's upbeat, you can see all these things. So, I mean. I guess that's probably one of my my strengths is as a, more of a positive person that I do try to um, reflect positivity and you know generate that and on stage like it's always more high fives and smiles and having a bit of fun and and laughs more than more than you know grunting and mean flexing and <laughs> mean mugging each other up. Though. Yeah, so it's a bit bit more fun. Mm. Would you, going back to yourself when you first started this game, what would you, what advice would you give to yourself? First day in the gym, first day being wanting to become a bodybuilder in the gym, what would you change? I would eat a lot more when I was younger and I had the ability to eat more because um, now I just, I struggle really badly to eat. And probably the the tendonitis that I had in my knees for so many years due to lifting stupid amounts of weights, I'd probably tell my younger self just to slow down that there's a it's a long road ahead that, you know, you're not gonna it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. So just mm -hmm. take it easy. But I, I think that's probably the thing that I say to most young guys in the gym is just to take it easy. Like you know, everyone wants to set PBs every gym session. Everyone wants to, you know, be be big and shredded and they want it overnight. Just Take your time because it's a long road. Nice. Mm. And what do you think you'd be doing with yourself if it wasn't this? If you oh. had to drop this today, where would Jared go? If I was not even involved in the fitness industry, I'd probably be back doing construction work um, because I am a qualified painter. Well, there you go. Didn't know that. And what yeah. is the lifespan? Like, what could you, what age can you realistically be following your dream? Till, uh, well, what is your dream? What is there a goal too? Is is yeah. do you want to be number one in the world? Like, there, what what yeah. is your goal? Yep, most definitely. So there is a goal, um, thirty. So I, I said to my wife that by the time I'm thirty five, I'd I'd like to be um, the world champ in the muscle model category. Uh, so I'll give myself five years to try and achieve that. I mean, like we already got plans in place and goals that I'm working towards. So the next show, I, I'm not going in to, to place top five. I, I want to take it out. And I mean, that show this year, I placed sixth. I don't see why having progressed as far as I have already from that show that I can't, um, take out that first place. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, that's not the be all and end all, but you've got to have goals and you've got to have aspirations. So for me, I just want to continually grow my business more so um, from from a business side. I just want to keep having positive impacts on, on people's lives and, and changing people's lives and changing people's view of how the whole uh, 
prep for shows is done and understanding more the healthy side of of training and nutrition and the enjoyment that you can have out of it too because a lot of a lot of times there there are a lot of coaches that do things that aren't the the best thing for someone's health or um they don't deliver the result that they're promised and and that brings a real negative light to it so i just want to keep being that positive light and that that side from my business perspective and and yeah the five years time to to get to being a world champ awesome nice um if someone was listening in, hopefully there's a few people listening in, um, and they were just thinking, oh, they're not going to be a bodybuilder, but they're just thinking, oh, you're sort of inspiring them just to make some healthy changes. What would you, two or three things that you could say to someone listening now that you think could kickstart a change in their outlook on health and wellness? A few things that I could say to people. The first, it sounds really, really stupid but and really basic, but make sure you're hydrated. Like, you know, in in terms of health, like being well hydrated, a lot of people just aren't. So so that's like the first health tip I'd give someone. Um, secondly is get an understanding for what it is that you want, you know, because if you don't have goals, if you don't know where you're going, if you don't have a plan, you're going to be spinning your wheels. And... Um, yeah, I, I think I think as a youngin, that was probably one of my big things. Is like I didn't really know where I wanted to go with this industry. I didn't really have any set focus, and sometimes you yeah you end up chasing your tail, and you don't have time to burn. Like time is such a precious commodity. Like mm-hmm. don't burn it, don't waste it. Um, third thing I'd say is educate yourself, like listen to listen to like different podcasts on health and fitness and nutrition and training and listen to multiple podcasts too mm-hmm. don't just listen to one person's opinion because at the end of the day as coaches or whatever the person is that's talking it's their opinion mm-hmm. and it's the way that they found work best for them so get an understanding on the different avenues and the different approaches that you can have to your nutrition and your training and and trial and error really like see what works for you Mm -hmm. because like there are so many different ways that you can you can take this but yes um that would be my three my three tips would would be you know I know that sounds pretty stupid but no um the water water is a really big one like mate I, I I can't stress that enough, and especially as we're coming into summer here in Melbourne, is like it's a really big thing. Like so many people are dehydrated, and and the body is not a healthy organism when it's not hydrated. Like, ah, oh, you put me on the spot here. I couldn't remember exact percentage of how <laughs> how, how much percentage the body is of water, but Most. what is it like like seventy to eighty yeah. percent water? And if you're dehydrated, like it's just not going to work well. Um, and again, like educate yourself. It's such and a just simple have a problem to solve as well. Yeah, you know, it's such it is. A, such an easy, especially you know, living in Melbourne, it's not exactly a difficult uh, a crisis. No. Yet, it is something that's very easily neglected. Though I often find myself going until you know seven p.m. and realizing I've got a headache before I actually start mm. drinking any water for the day, and it's just horrible for you. So. You're not the first person on this podcast to recommend that either. So it seems to be an ongoing hydration, seems to be an ongoing theme. Um, falling into a rut, you would have had 
you would have had to dig yourself out of heaps of ruts, I guess, in the last decade, you know, with your previous career and now this one. Um, a couple of tips on people that could be in a rut. How do you get out of yours? Um, you know, is there sort of the same type of thing that you usually do to dig yourself out of a hole that we all fall in? Yeah, well, I can, I can speak on this pretty uh, well, considering like I was at a really low point when I bowled to disc in my neck. Um, it was my third show. I'd placed fifth in the world as an amateur and then I came back and did a show here and I placed eighth and I was sort of lost. I was like, you know, how do I go from fifth in the world to eighth in Australia? Like that's ridiculous. Like, you know, what's going on? I'm going backwards and then bulge disc in my neck. I was at a really low point. I think the the one thing that was probably really good then is um, I had my second son. So I took 16 weeks off the gym. I didn't step foot in a gym. And, and people were like, oh, why why didn't you at least like train legs or something? I was like, mate, I was done. I'd done 48 weeks of comp prep, dieting and training. I was done. I needed that break. And it was probably the best thing for me. But at that time, I, you know, got a lot of, lot of downtime. I was able to be surrounded by my family, um, all the good that I had in my life, um, being able to focus on, on where my physique was at before this even started so I could have a look and see how much I'd already progressed so that I knew like how far I'd come um, and, th and that was a really big thing to when you get down on yourself is to see how far you've come you know whether that's physical or whether that's mental as well to to see the way that like you respond to things and and that's a constant progression thing is is understanding that things aren't always going to go your way but the way that you react to it is is the true determiner of of your character so i mean my tips for someone who who's in a bit of a funk or in a rut or they're down and they're feeling like things aren't progressing is to take a step back and be objective have a look at like where you're currently at and where you started, look back six months ago, look back 12 months, 18 months, see how far you've actually come, you'll be surprised. Then the big thing is, is like, again, a plan. Where do you want to be? And set some little goals. Set a big goal, maybe that's a 12-month or an 18-month goal, but then set some little ones. Like if we set a goal for the next four weeks and then we set another one for 12 weeks' time and then we set another one for six months' time, you know, then we're actually able to keep ourselves accountable and work towards something last tip if you struggle with any of those things is employ the services of someone who can actually help you do that and i'm not saying come to see me as a coach maybe see someone about mindset maybe go and talk to someone who can help you um you know understand like these things because you know there are professionals in these certain fields that can help you that will will see like help you see like where you're going wrong or um you know what you're doing right because you might be doing a lot of things right and it's just that one little thing that's going wrong and as humans you know we're creatures of habit so when we get put in a stress situation when things don't go our way we divert down the same path constantly and we end up back at that same point because we keep going back down the same path which we know mm -hmm. and it's just a natural response so maybe go see someone who can help you to try and to try and change that and and change a little bit of your mindset because at the end of the day mindset is 
the biggest thing out of out of everything and this is just day-to-day life or trying to achieve something physically or trying to achieve something in business and mindset plays a massive role mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we better. I got a, I got a couple more, but yeah. while while we're talking about that, what are you, can you tell us about your name your podcast, name your business? Because what you just said was was awesome, and some people right from there might want to. Yeah, so my business I run uh, is pretty pretty basic. Jared Hustler Fitness. Yep. So that's just my my coaching services and my training. Uh, I work out of Richmond. Uh, here in Melbourne, but I also do online training and I have quite a few clients around Australia and around the world that I work with. And I've also got my podcast, which is The Competitive Edge. So uh, we've been going for about a year now. We've got uh, two other co-hosts there with me as well. They're also pros within the WBFF. They're, they're awesome. Um, and we do we try to do an episode every week, but we've got plenty of, plenty of episodes and we're up on um, iTunes and SoundCloud. So, I mean, you can, can look us up there. Uh, if you go to my Instagram or my Facebook, you'll, you'll be able to see the competitive edge, which is up there as well. So, um, yeah, don't be a stranger. Say, Hey, cool. Three quickies for me. And then your big one. Um, you told us your favorite body part, Mm -hmm. your legs. What's one that you, your least favorite that you're always, always looking to despise arms i'm like i'm not your normal guy i i never trained arms when i was a rugby player it just wasn't something that we did like if i did a set of bicep curls like once a month you were lucky um but yeah they were they were always my weaker area and they still are and with uh, bicep and tricep tendonitis at the moment they are still my my sore point. So, yeah. um, but I've got a few little uh, tips and tricks that I've got at the moment from from some guys that have some sizable arms that have told me like things to do. So, we've got a few things in the pipeline that are helping them grow. So, awesome, it's all good. Personality wise, what's a trait that you think is one of your strongest characteristics or that you most like about yourself? And then, conversely, something that you feel that you would like to put more time and energy into shifting or, or improving. I'd say the thing that. Uh, it's probably one of my positives, which my wife sometimes hates, is my sarcasm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm just a really happy, easygoing guy. I just chill. There's nothing like I I don't stress very often, mm-hmm. but then this will lead into the worst part is when I do, I don't handle it well. So I'm lucky that I have my wife who is so good, and she handles stress a lot better than I do. So I mean, that's probably one of my my areas that I need to work on and I know and I mean I'm getting better with it um, especially having just gone through a peak week with uh, seven athletes I mean that's that's how do you can stress someone out a little bit and, and I handled that pretty well and I think um, I'm growing in that area but it is something that I still need to put uh, more and more effort into but I mean my personal development is something that I, I've got to work on on a daily basis like if I'm trying to have a positive impact on people's lives and you know, you've really got to practice what you preach. So, I mean, I think it starts at home, um, having a positive impact on my family and, and you know, being being just a positive person in general and just trying to block out the, the negative things, the negative thoughts, because like I said, we're humans and we're going to have those thoughts. We're going to, we're going to feel that way. It's not, we're not emotionless robots. Yep. And that was my last one. I always I ask a, a question that's called Amar Gatsney, which is Instagram backwards. So Amar Gatsney, I explain, is that Instagram is like a opportunity to show the absolute best parts of your life. Mm-hmm. And following on from what you just said, 
you know, the way you deal with stress. What's if you were posting your reverse Instagram of you at your low points, oh. how does that look like? What would people see on your feed? Oh mate, if if you posted up the worst points of me, it'd probably be when I haven't eaten in about eight hours, I'm hangry and I just want some food. Or if you put if you put a uh, camera in the car and saw me driving, <laughs> I cannot stand bad driving. It's yeah, you know, for someone who's had as many car accidents that I've had, you know, it's funny to say, but um, <laughs> well, well, not that many car accidents, but I've had a few. Yeah, I've had a couple good ones. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, like when I'm, I don't, I yeah, like I said, I don't handle stress well. So if I'm like trying to get somewhere and I've got a deadline or I've got an appointment and I'm trying to make it, and I'm on the road, that really annoys me. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I think when I get hungry, when I get tired, I'm just like anyone. I, I get cranky at times, but I try to do my best to essentially bite my tongue when I'm in that mood. Um, my wife and I, we're we're both like working towards um, trying to trying to you know not allow ourselves, both of us, to get into the position where we get cranky at each other. Mm -hmm. and I think that's really something like twelve years, and we're still able to work on things and keep progressing so i mean she she's a really big part of everything that i do like she's she's my business partner essentially she runs the entire um online side of what i do so when people sign up and paperwork and that i have no idea i'm like com computer illiterate like I, I can write programs and i can facebook and instagram and open word documents or pdfs but apart from that like me and technology don't get along so i mean like just just trying to be that positive impact and be a positive vibe and, and be a good human really comes back to just, I just try and be a good human. Great. Kai. Awesome, man. Um, so we asked this question at the end with everyone and it's you know a little bit grim, but on your deathbed years from now, what, what do you feel like you would have wanted to achieve most? Mm, that's a good one. I like that question. As, as a whole, not so much, you know, right now, but yeah. overall. Oh, overall, I mean, having kids, I just want to, I really want to be a good example to them first and foremost mm -hmm. and being a good husband and a good father, that's something that like, uh, is, is one of the big ones for me and people that I come in contact with and the ones that I have an impact on, I don't want there to be people that can go around and saying that, you know, I didn't do what I said I was going to do. I don't want to be that guy. I want to deliver on my promises and I want to um, just be able to to do the right thing by people um, and whether that is coaching people to a stage or general population or just offering tips and advice on training or nutrition, whatever it might be, even mindset, that I'm having positive impacts on people. That way I don't have people saying that, you know, he said this and he did that and he wasn't what he said he was. So that's a real big one for me because I think there's a lot of people in this industry who, like you said, Instagram, that allows us to do one thing, you know, say one thing and do the other. Mm -hmm. And that's that's what I don't want to be. Um, so for me, it's just a matter of being a good father and a good husband and just, I think I think I've said this too many times, but just being a good human. I just mm -hmm. want I want people to say, like be able to say, like, yeah, he did what he said he was going to do and it was a positive light in the world. Awesome. And you think you're adhering to those values now? I'd say 95% of the time. 95%. 90, 95. Yeah. That's awesome. pretty good. 
I think most of the time I'm 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 doing the right thing. There there are the odd times where I'm still getting tested, and I think that's just life throwing you a curveball just to see like how good you are at at keeping your shit contained. Yep, hundred percent. Mate, it's great. I think it's good having people in your field, you know, like it seems like you're really active and kind of passionate about changing stereotypes and you see, you really seem to be doing that and um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Awesome. Thanks for coming on. Um, anywhere that, um, I guess we've already gone over where they can catch you, but um, any final bits and pieces? Yeah, if you check out my website, www.jaredhustlerfitness.com, you can send me through emails there. Um you know, any questions, shoot them through. If you look me up on Instagram, which is Jared Hustler underscore WBFF Pro, look me up there, send me a DM. I, I love uh, just helping people out as much as I possibly can. I'll give you as much free info as I can. I'm not going to coach you for free, but I'll, I'll do as much as I can. But, yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, pleasure to come on and have a chat, and it's good to be a guest on someone else's podcast. <laughs> Great. It's our pleasure. Thanks for coming in. Awesome. And good luck. Thank you. That's a wrap.